1: Bethel and Pastor RJ bringing us the word in trials and tragedies, So Can we give it up for those guys? Yeah. Miriam, can we have your mic? Oh, yeah. A couple things real quick. Immediately after this service will kind of be the last chance you have today, really, to sign up to uh, make something for our little baby carousel of the nations that we're going to be doing in-house on the 20th. Um, It is a fundraiser for Matthew House, and we are hoping to get lots of you to come between 1 and 3, 3 3.30. Don't quote me on the times, listen to them. But either way, somewhere around there, 1 to 3.30, 1.30 to 3, something like that. But anyway, we're going to be selling lots of food uh, to raise money for Matthew House. Hope to see you there. Over the last couple months, we've been working on the goodness of God. And we talked about his character. We talked about... um, how God is good to the lost. He, he, he died for us even while we were sinners. And we even started working through uh, last week a little bit on trials and tragedies. And you know, none of us are exempt from trials and none of us are exempt from tragedy. Amen. We all walk through stuff. And uh, it doesn't change God's goodness when you're walking through something, even though sometimes your feelings, you think that God is trying to kill you and take you home. Um, or punish you, or there's many different responses. So um, the primary reason that there is no um, junior high um, class today is because the junior high coordinator, Bethel, is up here with us. And uh, I'll introduce Bethel to you, and uh, she's going to share a little bit of her story right now.
0: Hi, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so just a little bit about my story, my life story. I was born in East Africa and my family immigrated from uh, Eritrea. We went to Greece. Um, when we left, it was due to um, uh, like ethnicity reasons, where, who we are, and also there was a persecution of the church. And we moved to Greece and we were sponsored by a church here in Canada, in Windsor, Ontario. And we experienced the goodness of God, um, His kindness through people. They made sure that we were warm in the winter. We had transportation. Um, yeah, a lot of really good things. And, um, but I also wanted to mention before I move on there that the situation in Eritrea is still um, really dire concerning Christians and churches there. So I'd, I'd encourage everyone just to research what's happening. And keep us in prayer, yeah. We grew up in the Windsor housing area. It <laughs> was an all roses and <laughs> rainbows there. Um, saw a lot of violence. Um, there were stabbings and, you know, people abusing substances and so many things. Um, but the most devastating moment, just reflecting on this topic about tragedies and trials, was um, two highlights would be my, passing with my sister. Um, it was uh, in a trap, like a horrific car accident And that really was really impactful in my life. She was my best friend. She was a lot of things to me. And my mom. And she had passed uh, away from chemo, cancer. She had cancer. She went through chemo. And that was, both tragedies were unique in its own way because of what they had went through. Um, And so, yeah. And so just reflecting on that in my life at that point, I felt that God didn't hear my prayers. He for some reason or another he didn't care. And there was there was like a like a heaviness on my heart even when I worshiped because of my perception of God. And there was there wasn't a closeness to him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And last week I did lay a little bit of a foundation for this. So if it seems like I'm jumping right in, it's because we talked about some of these concepts last week. I just wanted Bethel to kind of share a little bit of her story to kind of get us to where we're going to start our conversation today. So Bethel, um, in your life, as you were going through some of these things, at what point did you realize that, you know, God had a plan for you, even though you were going through stuff.
0: Uh, and I was going through stuff, so, <laughs> and other things I haven't really mentioned, but um, I was just, I was really interested in um, watching um, It's Supernatural on um, by Sid Roth, and he had a person that was on, his name was Kevin Zidea and just a quick story about how he was on an operating table, He, um, while he was being operated on, he passed, and he went to heaven, and, and he was just... Of, of course, he was <laughs> resuscitated. He's telling this story. But he was talking about how he saw in heaven that there were books written about us and how he had an encounter with Jesus and, and that Jesus was telling him that there were, many of his people were sitting on a fence. They had one foot in the world and the other foot, you know, towards him. And Jesus said, this is not what it was about. This is not why I died he that he wanted relationship with his people and when I heard this <laughs> I just I cried and cried like I've never cried before it moved me to my core and now reflecting um, I realized it was the presence of God I was feeling the presence of God while I was watching that and it changed everything from that day on and I started thinking so, God has a plan for me? What, what's his plan? And, and if somebody has a plan for you, they, you know, they have good thoughts for you. And, and, and so I looked on um, Jeremiah where that, um, that discussion was on. And um, so if we have it on, it says, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope.
1: So in the middle of your trial, as you are walking through tragedy, you suddenly encountered the presence of Jesus. As Jesse was talking about, hey, we go through stuff, but one moment in the presence of God changes everything. Yeah. Right? Yes. And it changed everything. And then God directed you to a verse was talking about specifically that he had plans for his people, but for us today, he has a plan for us as well. Yes. Absolutely. So that was a, I'm going to call it an aha or a revelation moment for you. All of a sudden, the lights went on. And um, it didn't mean that all your difficulties went away. You still had to walk through stuff, but that relationship aspect and that sustaining aspect how did that revelation sustain you as you were walking through the very difficult seasons
0: it sustained me because it expressed the love of god um, for me and that i knew that and jesus walks with me through everything he's like that song um he's the other one he's the other one in the fire right next to me Um, Yeah, and and that he wants a relationship with us as a father, as a friend. Um, The Holy Spirit is my best friend. And and, um, yeah, and his love, he wrote us. He wrote a good plan and he's rooting for us. He's not waiting for us to fail or just like to point at us like that. Um, But yeah, and he's bought us for so much more. You know, not just to exist, but but he has a plan for us, and he has put a gift and talents in all of us. He's in, he's invested in us, and you know, and also we have like a seat in the heavenly places. So yeah. So when we look
1: at trials and tragedies, you know, I, I remember growing up, I used to watch guest speakers come in, or even when I was down in in Dallas at school, you'd meet all these. Well known speakers that would travel around and share their story. And after a little while, I started noticing that, man, these people with powerful testimonies, they had to go through some test to have the testimony. They had to go through some trial to become an overcomer. They had to walk through some tragedy, and through it, their faith was strengthened. And I remember I prayed a very dangerous prayer. I say, God, one day I want to be strong in faith like that. And I want to have some <laughs> stories to tell. And oh man, don't, don't do that unless you're serious about God, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You're going to walk through some stuff. You're going to walk through some stuff anyways, but, but those experiences, they, they temper us, they form us, they shape us. And I, I, I'm, my thoughts always go to 1 Peter chapter 1, 6, and 7. It says, so be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. We're going to go through trials in this life. There's other places. Jesus says, in this life, you're going to have hardship. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Your faith actually gets tested. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So when you're walking through a sea, has anyone ever had to walk through something tough We all walk through some tough stuff, don't we? Yeah. When you're walking through the tough stuff, and, and again, I did lay a little bit of a foundation that God is still good, he's still with us, he loves us, and, and we're gonna get to this at the end, but the enemy is the one who comes in to destroy. But as you're going through these trials, there's a purification process happening in your faith. Thank God. And it becomes pure, and pure, and pure, and you become an overcomer. How do you become an overcomer if you don't overcome anything? Like we wanna be more than conquerors. Well, how do you be more, you have to conquer something. You have to overcome. And I I think of athletes, right? And and even the apostle Paul, uh, when he's writing, he he does refer our race to to athletes and training. And, you know, I watch these distance runners, people that run a long way for fun. (laughs) Some days I want to look at their sanity. (laughs) But I used to like to run. Now I like to do other things like rollerblade, walk. <laughs> bike <laughs> but i remember when i used to run there would come this moment when you were training where your muscle memory was there you had developed the endurance through perseverance right and you can just go and you just run it's beyond the burn it's beyond the you know lack of oxygen it's beyond the You just run and you almost become one with the wind, you know, like you just run. And I kind of feel like as we go through our Christian journey, like athletes have to train, we go through trials, we go through, tragedy happens all around us. None of us are exempt. We live in a fallen sinful world, it's gonna happen. And we have to understand God is still good to us in this. He still loves us, he still has a plan for us But as we're walking through that, he's purifying our faith. He's he's perfecting it. He's strengthening us. He's right there with us. He's encouraging us. You can do it. You can keep going. You can take the next step. You can endure. You can hang in there. You know, I don't think anyone on the stage today, whether singing or musician, just woke up one day and said, okay, I'm going to go on the stage and play my instrument. It takes Practice and studying and diligence and time and more practice and more studying and more diligence and more time. You don't just wake up and play a violin like Vanessa does. It took her years to perfect her craft. Thank you, Jesus, that she did. Because then we get blessed, right? But what happens is, as fire tests and purifies gold, your faith gets perfected as we go through the trials, as we go through these hard times. But I, I feel like everybody has an anointing on their life that's a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. But not everybody unlocks the anointing on their life yeah. and learns how to access it. Yeah. Romans 2.4, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it was the goodness of God that caused me to um, to repent and just to reflect on my life and and just to, um, yeah, to change my ways. And it was his love that that caused that. He helped me to forgive and to let things go and give it to him. That was huge. That was huge. Um, he redefined, sorry, redefined everything for me. He redefined what um, unconditional love meant, faithfulness, um, so many things. And I'm constantly redefining my definition on things based on his word. His word is now a standard for my life.
1: That's really good. You're redefining things and experiences based on the word of God. That's awesome. Bethel, did you ever feel rejected by God when you were experiencing trials and tragedy in your life?
0: Uh, Yeah, before I I absolutely did. I felt rejected. Um, But then now I'm convinced of his love for me. And he has won me over by his love. He adores us, and that's all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. He's adopted us into his family. We are not rejected. We are not oppressed, but rather we have been freed when we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We are never alone. He gave us his precious Holy Spirit. And his love is not based on our works or what we do or what we could do for him. He loves us all the same. And he loved us even while we were sinners. Yeah.
1: In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You know, this whole adoption, rejection... It's an identity issue. Too many sons and daughters of God don't understand their identity as sons and daughters of God. And then they don't function and act as sons and daughters of God. They function as rejected rejected ones who are not accepted in his family. And I kind of get a sense, and we even wrote it into our values, that identity is really important. Understanding who God made you, who you are in Christ, and how his word can redefine your life or change all of the terms by which you live. When you start comparing your life to the standard that God has set in his word, it causes something to change inside of us. This is an ongoing process. We call it sanctification theologically, but God's, we're in this process where he makes us more like Christ every day. Sounds like that purification process we were talking about. The trials that we walk through, the tests and the tragedies that we walk through, if you allow and you listen, God is right there with you. He's not abandoned you. And he will strengthen you through the process. He will encourage you. through. Yeah, it's hard. I, I, I've walked through a few things that are very hard in my day. Not gonna lie just like you've walked through some things that are very hard. But we have to come to the place where we have the maturity to see beyond the emotion of it and the pain and look through and see the glory of the cross on the other side. Jesus went through horrific tragedy on the cross, but he did that because his eyes were focused on the glory on the other side. Not his own glory, but the fact that you and I could be in relationship with him, as you were talking about. Do you you have anything you want to share on that?
0: Absolutely. Um, But yeah, with lots with trauma, what happens is um, you start bracing for the worst, and you think that it's all. Why are these things always happening to me? And we kind of fall into the trap of being a victim. But now we have a good and expected ending and we're renewing and identifying with Christ Jesus. And I realize that I'm not a victim. I'm more than a conqueror because of him. And when I started learning my identity in Christ, I know, I knew who I am and whose I am. I'm a cherished, cherished possession of God. Nothing can separate us from his love. We're, we've been validated by God. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are accepted and improved heirs of his kingdom. Yeah.
1: On the fly, going off script. I told her I wouldn't do this too much. <laughs> Bring it on. When we talk about um, falling into the trap of being a victim, what changes when you change your mindset from victim to daughter?
0: Your... Like, outlook your perception in life, um, how you, you see things. And you have freedom. That's how I felt is I was free, I was not oppressed. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I started seeing what does God have in plan for me? What's He saying? What is He doing? And my confidence and my hope is in Him mm-hmm. and in His finished work.
1: So, so many times we limit ourselves, right? We limit ourselves, do we not? We put our own limitations on our lives. I could never do that. Has anyone ever said that? I'm laughing by the looks on some of your faces right now. But see, we... We become a victim, we feel, but that changes the lens by which we see the world around us. So every interaction you have with others, you see through that lens. So even when people aren't attacking you, you feel attacked. Even when people aren't rejecting you, you feel rejected. Because it's, it's the way you see the world. You think you're going to fail before you even try, so you don't even try after a while. Do you see how this works? When you start learning who your identity is and washing your mind to the truth from the word of God, if God says we're more than a conqueror, what's more than a conqueror? Think about that. There's conquerors and there's more than conquerors. Okay, think about it. You know, if, if God says that we're his children and that we're accepted, There's no rejection in that. If God says he loves you unconditionally, he loves you. He doesn't always like what you do. He loves you. He lets you make choices. Right? God loves everyone. He allows people to choose to walk away from him, but he loves them. He died for them. He lived among us and died because he loves people so much. So this, I I like how she said that I've now been validated by God, right? And when you feel validated by God because you understand that God specifically went out of his way to make sure that you realize that he has a specific plan for you and he created you with purpose. He put unlimited potential inside of you. And when you learn to operate in the purposes of God and tap into the potential that he's placed inside you, your destiny is limitless. The nations can be changed as a result of you being obedient, right? To what God has spoken to your heart to do. So that leads us to freedom. You know, in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now, how many are truly his disciples? There's a qualifying statement to be a disciple you have to be faithful to his teachings. What does Jesus teach us? Love God, love people. Right? and take the message of hope he's placed in your heart and share it with others. Great commandment, great commission. We talk about this quite often, but you need to understand you're not here by accident. Christ put you on the planet <laughs> to have relationship with him, to have relationship with others, and then to take the love that he's put in your heart and go and share it with other people. Because I don't know about you, but when I look around, there's a lot of hurting people out there. There's a lot of broken. There's a lot of people that need love. There's a lot of people in this room that need love. Love is available to you. You have to learn how to receive it. But if you're a victim, you feel like you're not worthy of love. Right? And if you feel you're not worthy to receive, then you won't. And then you push God away just like you push everyone else away. And then you wonder why. You're going around in circles. True freedom. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I mean, everybody says, I love the truth until someone confronts you with it. And when people tell you the truth, you don't want to hear it. Especially if it means you have to change. But the Word of God has got a wonderful way of shining light on the dark areas inside of our heart and exposing the wickedness within us so that we can make the adjustments necessary to live a holy life.
0: Go ahead. Absolutely. Yep. And, um, yeah, just going along with that verse, um, there's freedom that's obtained by being purchased by the blood. And like you were saying, we're no longer a victim And the Holy Spirit reminds us um, with Scripture. Just as we're meditating on his word, he brings it back to light, into into our thoughts. And we start thinking like sons and daughters. And with freedom, speaking of freedom, we have the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Freedom from guilt, from shame. He's not going to remind us of our past, because He's in our future. He's preparing a way for us, and so I no longer look what's behind me, what's in my past, because it's been settled. Yeah, He's the judge and the jury. (laughs) Yeah, I no longer carry things because I give it all to Him. Yeah, when
1: go ahead, Philippians (laughs) three,
0: Philippians three thirteen, and so I look ahead, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And so my confidence is in him, in his finished work, and Jesus has won, and so we win. This is good.
1: There's a verse in John chapter 10, verse 10, and it talks about the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is speaking, and then he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I think sometimes when we walk through stuff, we draw our swords on the wrong person. We draw our swords on God. We draw our swords on each other. But we forget that the thief, our enemy, is the one who steals, who kills, and destroys. He is the one who is worthy of our swords. Our swords should be aimed at the enemy. And so many times he tries to divide people. So many times he comes in, they call him the little foxes of strife, envy, gossip, insecurity, unbelief, doubt, like all these little tiny things that get into relationships, right? All these little things get into relationships. And you have to make a choice whether you're gonna look at maybe your spouse and say, you're not my enemy, but let's pray to God and draw our swords on our enemy and declare the word of God, right? Too many people, they look at each other and then they draw their swords on each other and they shred each other. Then when it's time to do some real warfare and fight the enemy, they're, they're, they're exhausted. Or we spend all our time attacking the saints. Maybe someone doesn't measure up to your standard. It's okay, you don't get to judge them anyway. Oh, come on, that's good. That's truth. Remember the truth I was telling you about? (laughs) That's truth. That's a truth portion. We don't get to judge others. We can look at their fruit. See, that's good fruit. I don't know about that fruit, but we don't get to judge. That means that you don't have the ability to look into someone's heart and determine their motive. Okay? God does that. In your heart, it deceives you sometimes, too. Sometimes you have to really spend some time in the presence of God with his word and go, what's my motive on this? But see, our enemy, the thief, comes to steal your joy, your peace, to get you out of your love walk. He comes to kill and destroy. He comes with sickness and disease. It's the thief, it's the enemy, right? And, and we have to remember this at all times, that our swords need to be drawn on our enemy. Not on each other. Not even on our fallen sinful brothers and sisters out there that are still yet to be redeemed. Right? Because it's the goodness, the love of God that brings people to repentance according to the scriptures. You said that earlier. It was the goodness of God that brought you to repentance. And what happens is we have to understand this. Like, look at your neighbor and say, you are not my enemy. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're not my enemy either. We're on the same team. We're building the kingdom. People that name the name of Christ, Christ's followers, they're taking on his nature and character. They're not your enemies. Even the people that wrong you Mistreat you, harm you, say mean things to you, insult you, cut you off when you're driving down the street. (laughs) Had to get that in. They're not your enemy. They're not. And so many times we get our focus off of Christ and his word and our love walk and we start drawing our swords on each other. We have to move beyond this. This is the maturing process. We have to move beyond this. This is how we grow up. We forgive. We don't have to like, but we forgive. (laughs) It might be a few quiet quiet minutes, (laughs) some quiet time. But we pray for people, we bless people, and we choose to love.
0: Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and I just want to add that it's the enemy that has been rejected. He's the one that was kicked out of heaven. He's the one that's the victim now. Yeah, Yeah, Absolutely. So um,
1: a couple things we're still going to do today. So let's start with everyone stand up with us. So if you want to pull out your communion elements... And seeing as people notice everything, like if I don't wear my ring, I get comments about, are you and Mary okay? Yeah, we're doing great. (laughs) My finger was swollen, my ring didn't fit. (laughs) Um, That kind of thing. (laughs) So um, I'm just doing this weird thing right now where I'm kind of off of gluten and sugar for 30 days. So if you see me just fake take this, it's not because I have active sin and unforgiveness in my heart. (laughs) It's simply because I don't want the gluten and the sugar because I've had it out of my system for about three weeks (laughs) and I don't want to add it. (laughs) Um, So I'll I'll drink my tea. Anyhow, like I said, people are observant (laughs) and quick to judge. As we come to the table today, with the bread in our hands. And you know, Christ's body was broken so you can break your bread just like Jesus broke the bread. And really this is our covenant meal. And, and Lord, I pray today for every person here. Lord, some are walking through incredibly difficult times. Some are in a season of grieving. Some are in a season of sickness. Some are in a season of pain. There's strife in marriages, there's strife in families, there's division, there's economic hardship. So many things that people walk through. Relationship challenges and breakdown. And Lord, despite our feelings right now, we go to the cross. And we take our anxiety and our fear and our burdens, our unbelief and our doubt, and we lay them down at the foot of the cross right now. And with the bread in our hand, Father, we make a new declaration and we know that you are good and we declare that you are good. And we know that you love us because that's what your word says, that you loved us so much you died for us. So at the cross, as we partake of our covenant meal, we exchange our wrong thinking our wrong habits, our wrong patterns of behavior, and we take on the nature of Christ, a nature of love, a nature of joy, a nature of peace and kindness. Help us today to receive from you all that you have for us. Help us to unlock the unlimited potential you've placed inside of us so that we can walk in the destiny you have for us as individuals, as families, and as a church body. Today, Father, I also declare healing and wholeness, and we break the curse off everyone's life today, that there is wellness and health, purity of body, purity of mind, and purity of spirit, in Jesus' name. As we have the cup, the blood of the new covenant. Lord, we understand and realize that it's the thief that steals and kills and destroys. But Jesus went to the cross to restore hope and to restore life, to restore love. As I'm listening Father there's some pretty big holes in some of the hearts in this room a lot of pain a lot of tragedy a lot of suffering God while we know that that is not from you and not your plan for our life we have a real enemy and we will draw our swords on our enemy today and we will declare your blood over our lives. Father, supernaturally right now, I thank you that you're healing hearts all over this room, that you're restoring hearts to wholeness. Your word says that you came to be with the brokenhearted and to bind up the wounds. So right now, Father, heal the broken heart let each individual receive the identity that you have for them as a son and a daughter of the king. And in our hearts, Lord, let us start looking at the world through a different lens, a lens of love, a lens of faith that's been purified by the things that we've walked through. And Lord, we want to see your glory in our lives and our families and in our church and our community. So release your glory amongst your people this day. As there's a unity in the room right now, I thank you that you're accomplishing all of your purposes now. In Jesus' name, amen. So right before we close, I'm going to be doing the benediction for the next couple weeks because I want everyone to get this. Back in the 90s, some of you weren't born then, I know. And some of you want to forget them, it's okay. We used to do this thing, it was was like, um, and believe me, I'm not a performer, so humor me. I say make some, you say noise. Make some noise. You guys understand how this works. So I'm gonna say, WCF, you've been equipped, now go. I say, now go, you say, be the church. Okay, WCF, you've been equipped, now go. Be the church. That's pretty good, can we try that one more time? WCF, you've been equipped, now go. Be the church. Absolutely, God bless you. (laughs)